Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I am glad to be here with you. Um, Folks, this is a serious program. I don't know what else to say. The title, Blow the Trumpet in Zion. You hear that song in the beginning. I play it every week and at the close. Love that song by Paul Wilbur. I have known that song for years and years because that song means so much to me. Because it's warning us, it's telling us, blow the trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord has come. Folks, the day of the Lord is coming, it's on the way, and it's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. And we're going to talk about blowing the trumpet. What does that mean? What do we do now as believers? Uh, what What is our mission right now? What is our response to what's going on? What does God want us and expect us to do? There's a lot of things right now uh, going around on the Internet, things we've talked about here on this program, uh, things that have popped up in the last week. It seems like every week there's something new that's going on. But with the loss of freedoms, with the loss of, of, um, of, of uh, the people's desire to worship – You may think, what does that mean? Well, folks, I'm telling you right now, because they have taken the churches away, because they have taken our uh, abilities to to assemble away, uh, people have lost their desire to worship. Now, the flip side could be, well, we weren't really doing it to begin with, so maybe that's a warning shot from God. Hey, listen, I'm not saying it's not, not one bit. What I am saying is that God is trying to shake America, and the shaking will get more and more difficult. We need to wake up. We need to realize the hour that we are living in, it is time to make a difference. God is calling us to action as believers. And and I know we talk about that week in and week out on this program, and we're going to talk about it tonight because – What's important is in this hour that we not only are blowing the trumpet in Zion, but we need to have a revival within our own lives, within our own hearts, that God will be able to use us effectively in this hour because right now there is fear going on like never before amongst those who call themselves believers. There is this, this anxiety that is attacking the body of believers right now, that they are so scared and afraid of what's going on. And, and folks, I'm telling you right now, God is not calling us to fear, but he is calling us to action. Now, there is a fear that is godly. It's of the Bible, and that's the fear of him who can destroy the soul in hell's fire. Almighty Yahweh, we should desire and fear him and him alone. But the fear of the world that is not 
from God. That is from the devil. And we need to make a decision if we are going to fear the world because right now what we're seeing, this is nothing. This is just a, a little taste. This is like the popcorn before the movie, okay? But what's getting ready to happen is going to be extreme, and Amos tells us it's like you're running from a bear. You, you, you go in your house. You shut the door. You try to take a breath, right? You put your hand against the wall, and a snake bites you. That's what we're up against coming in the near future. The good news is God has a plan for his people. Let's pray. Father, in the name above every name, the name Yeshua, we believe that you have called us for such a time as this. We believe that you have called us into action for this very hour, Lord. We believe that you have called us for, to discern the times that we are living in. And Lord, we recognize and understand that without the indwelling of your spirit, our fleshly discernment will be nothing more than flesh, Lord. And so we ask for spiritual eyes and guidance into these last days, Lord, that we may move effectively, not in fear, but moving forward triumphantly to reach the lost, knowing that time is short. Lord, let it not be said that on this show we didn't tell the people of the hour that we are in. Lord, let every person heed and seek you, God, for the answer from you alone, not from me, not from any guest on this show, but from you alone, Lord. Speak to your people that we may obey, and God, we pray for the grace, the mercy to listen to your voice. We thank you because we ask it in the powerful name of Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. Folks, we were gathered together over here my garage the other week with some friends of mine and um on a sabbath afternoon or morning we were just worshiping together but we we dug into the bible and and uh i had mentioned this verse some years ago on on the remnant call and and we decided to kind of look at it for a moment in our study and it, it comes from the book of proverbs verse uh chapter 16 verse 25 there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a scary statement in the Bible. It's the, like, it, what, what, what God's saying is it, it's possible that you could believe a certain way, think you have everything together, believe that your theology is right, believe that you're listening to the right programs, believe that you're hearing the right voices in this hour, and to find out at the very end of time that you were on the wrong path going the wrong direction. And we sit back and we pondered that verse because it's important. One time a man said to me, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that scare me. He said it was the things in the Bible that he did understand that scared him. Now, I mentioned earlier, God is not calling us to fear. But this verse alone should be a wake-up call to check ourselves in these last days to understand that we need to be extra careful that we are not following our flesh and what we want, what our traditions of churches have taught us, what our... Uh, you know, what our uh, uh, upbringing by our parents or our grandparents, but what does the actual Word of God say about that? It's something we need to truly understand. Because, see, when it's all said and done, we have one person to answer to, 
And that's the Almighty, the Ancient of Days. He is the only, our Heavenly Father. That is the one we will be answering to, and we better be answering with an intercessor. Yeshua better be intercessing for us at that moment, because in our flesh we have no defense at all. So after we studied it for a little while, we we looked at some more scripture because we wanted to know, how do we keep ourselves from falling into this trap that we could think we're going right, but find out we were actually going wrong? The Bible addresses this very clearly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to start in verse 11 there. It says this, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Did you hear that? Let me read that again. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, get this straight. God is not sending the lie, but he is sending the strong delusion that they can believe the lie. Follow what the word's saying here, though, that they all might be damned. That's hard. Who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay, now the understanding begins to come forward. The truth is, is that these people love unrighteousness more than they love the things of God. Now, the truth is, these are people that follow the things of God, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. They would rather do what they felt good to their flesh instead of what felt good in the eyes and the heart of God to him. Because what we like and what God likes might not be the same thing. We need to make sure we get onto his plan instead of our own. But a little deeper insight actually comes from verse 10. Go back two verses, verse 10. It says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You see what he's saying? Because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You see, the problem with these people are that think they're on the right path but end up the wrong way is because they do not love truth. You see, the Bible is very clear. The truth will set you free. But these people don't want truth. And so the reason that God allows them to believe the lie is because they don't want to hear the truth. You see, I was brought up believing certain things. I was taught certain things, and some things were right. But other things, I read the Bible for myself, and when I read them, I found out that they were not true. And so I had to make a decision. Do I follow what my family taught me or what a church taught me, or do I follow what God taught me? You need to understand that because the truth is it's not that you're going to know all the truth. It's that when you find out truth, you fall in love with the truth. Does that make sense? You're not going to know everything. I don't know everything. I don't know when everything's going to happen. I could be wrong on some timing myself, and that's why you don't hear from my mouth me call out things like that because I don't always know. I know the season. It's so close. But I, I understand that I could be wrong on things, but I know one thing's for sure. If I am seeking the Lord and I am following him and I am reading his word, when it happens, he will guide me and lead me in the right paths. So today I'm, I'm here. I was, this was two weeks ago. I was 
uh, speaking this, or we were in my garage on a Sabbath that, uh, morning there listening to this. And so last week I, get in, I, I was speaking to a church group, actually, uh, outdoors, and I was speaking to a group of people. And, uh, and I was talking to them about the things that I'm seeing in this country, and I don't see the truth being taught anymore. I see chaos, violence, lawlessness running rampant all over, and we know lawlessness is one of the characteristics of the Antichrist because our God is about law. Now, you might not like that. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about our God is the God of law and order. He gives laws and things we are to do to follow to keep us from harming not only ourselves, but harming other people. Tell me one thing that is bad in God's commandments. Is, is coveting your neighbor's wife, is that a mean thing for God to say? No, it's not only good for you, it protects your neighbor. God's laws, his commands were designed to not only help us, but to help others. Salvation is something different. It has to be free because God could never owe you a thing. If you could earn it, that means God owes you something and he owes nobody nothing. And I was talking about how I live here in Virginia, and the governor of Virginia is telling us where we can worship, how we can worship, and what we can obey and, and whatnot. And, and it's okay, though, if you want to go out and, and protest and light your city on fire and burn everything down and, and do all that. That's fine, but to actually go inside your church building and worship, that's not legal unless you can stay so far apart, follow everything, rip your hymnals, everything out, and follow his strict guidelines. And the church is so willing to give up every right at any second, and it blows my mind. California now, as we spoke last week, you, they cannot even sing in their congregations. My question is, when is enough? I'm sick and tired of hearing about everybody coming out of the closet this day and age, but the believers, I'm asking you, when are you going to come out of the closet and start showing people the God that you follow by following the things that he says and not being afraid to testify and to share the good news with somebody instead of cowering to the governor like here in Virginia, which I made a very clear statement. Governor Northam, you are not my God. You are not my God. You might think you're my God, but you are not my God. I bow to my God only. The churches are cowering and fearing this day and age. And if they will not tell us, if they are, excuse me, if they can tell us so quickly how we can or can't worship, why don't they start telling us, you know what, we're going to worship? Hey, folks, it's not far fetched. It's coming very, very soon to a church or place next to you. And many of you might be saying, well, I don't go to a church. Well, praise God. But I hope you've got some fellowship somewhere. Now, let me be clear on one thing. On the remnant call, you will never hear me calling for lawlessness. I'm not calling for us you know, to, to be unlawful or unruly and all that, but I am calling on us to follow God above the government. Yeah, I've said it before. I'm not here to fight the government. I am here to follow the Lord and to show the good news of the second coming of Jesus Christ. But lawlessness is opposite of the God that we serve, and he wants us to worship him. We are living, folks, in the eye of the storm and things. You know right now, if you listen to this call or listen to this program, you know that if you're awake in this hour, things are not going to get better. Truth is the enemy, and if you do not accept it, every vile abomination and behavior anymore, you will be the enemy of the state. So my question is to you right now, believer, 
Who do you serve? Are you going to follow what the government says? Kill our babies, embrace homosexuality, adultery is fine. Or are you going to do what Jesus Christ said, who set a standard for how the believers should live? You know, this, un- the, the, unfortunately, uh, about 100 years and some ago, the, the gospel began a little over that to be twisted into some false gospel and teaching. It began to creep in slowly, but over time in the American church, this lawless Christian so-called living became rampant in the church. Folks, it was not like that in the 1800s. It was actually hardly like that even the mid-1950s. But boy, something came in there that started to say, you know what? You can live how you want. You can do how you want as long as you put a little flavor of God in it. I'm not here to play tiddlywinks with the Word of God. I came to share the truth, and sometimes the truth is not comfortable, and it won't be comfortable when we are living in the last days because God has called us to get up and do something about it, not to sit back in our recliners anymore. The good news, though, is that God is in control. He is in control. But as believers, when you see this coming in this last hour, God calls us to action as believers. He calls us to do something as believers when we see this happen. He doesn't want us to simply just sit around and wait for this to all pass by and to go over, but he wants us to do something about it in this last hour. And the book of Joel is, I think, one of the greatest instructions anywhere in the very word of God. The prophet Joel had saw the last days coming, and he he saw what was going to happen, and he understood the instructions of what God wanted us to do in that hour. Joel chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the altar, alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. So as Joel sees this happening, He doesn't call for us to sit around and do nothing. He says, when you see these things happening, when you see that the day of the Lord is approaching, when you see that the end times are here, you need to gather together into a solemn assembly where we will cry out and seek our God with all of our hearts. Continuing on in Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garment, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering, and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck at the breast, and let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of the closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. You see, that's the problem, pastors, today. That's the problem, elders, today. There's no more weeping for the things that are going on in this land, in the house of God, in the church of God. 
It breaks the Lord's heart. But unfortunately, his people that are supposed to be following and doing what's going on, they see the things that are happening in the Supreme Court with the, with the LGBTQ things. They see the things that are happening with the almost a million babies killed every year in this country. They see all the things that are happening right now with the riots and the racial hatred that's going on in this world. And instead of weeping and crying out before the God, they sit silent and do nothing. That has been going on for too long in this country. It's not about showing weeping and trying to get God to see how, how humble or pious you are. No, it's about sharing his heart. And when you share his heart, it will break your heart. Because the things that are going on right now are horrible. They're really horrible. And there's so many people that are suffering right now in this world that don't know what's going on and don't know what to do. And I've shared with some of the things that are going on, even in my own family, where my little nephew is still in the hospital. He's been born a premature baby, you know, and, and people we've known that have had COVID and, and different things like that. And, and then I just found out that a cousin of mine who I dearly care about has gone out to seeking a relationship with another woman. And, and, and it, it's heartbreaking to me. But you know what? I'm glad I know now because now I can pray for her. Because I know that if God got her out once, he can do it again. And if the God that healed me can heal my nephew, and that the God that got my friend sick, got, got them better from their sickness, he can get you better from your sickness. Because that's the God that we serve. But if I simply sit around and I just say, woe is me, or I look at what's going on and say, I don't know what to do, then I'm useless in this hour. God's calling us to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm, to tell people, hey, the end times are here. It's time to wake up. And yes, I know there are a lot of you. It's going to be hard to find a solemn assembly. It, it might, you know, it, you just pray. And, and if there is one, God will lead you to one around. But if not, you can start revival on your own in your own home. You do not have to wait for somebody else in order to begin having revival right now. God is about revival. One of the dreams of mine has always have been for years now is to go over to the Hebrides Islands in Scotland. The Free Church of the Presbyterian Lures had met in the town of Stormy Way back in 1949. To consider the terrible drift away from the ordinances of the church, especially by the young people of the island, churches were almost empty and sin was running rampant, especially in the youth in 1949 in the Hebrides Islands. Among the people who were especially concerned about the situation were two old sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. One of them was 84 years old, and the other was 82 and crippled with arthritis, and the 84-year-old, she was blind. But they were greatly burdened because of the appalling state of their own church for not a single young person attended public worship, so they made it a special matter of prayer. Two old ladies. On Tuesday and Friday, they got on their knees at 10 o'clock in the evening and remained on their knees until 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. One night, Peggy had a vision, and in the vision, she saw the church of her fathers crowded with young people, packed to the doors, and a strange minister standing in the pulpit. She told her sister that the revival was coming, so they called the local ministers, Mr. Mackay, and this is what they said to Mr. Mackay. You've tried your mission. You've tried your special evangelists, 
But have you tried God? If you gather your elders together, you can meet in another cottage, and as you pray there, we will pray here. So they gathered the elders, and they continued in the way for their home for some weeks until November, when one night, close to 4 a.m. in the morning, a young man stood up in the midst and quoted from Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, and with deep conviction, he fell on his knees and said the Spirit of God rushed in, and revival broke out all over the Isles of Lewis. And I was reading account of somebody that was still alive that had went over there and visited, or excuse me, the person went over there and visited people that were still alive, and they were sharing, this was back in the early 2000s, how not one person in Barvis was arrested for 20 years after that revival broke out. See, it wasn't a revival of a slick talking preachers. It wasn't a revival of, of, of healings all over the island. This is a revival where people were literally on their knees in the ditches along the sides of the road in front of the police department, and they were weeping and wailing for God to forgive them of their sins because conviction had fell heavy in the Hebrides Islands in 1949. Why? Because there were no young people going to their church. Here we are. We're in 2020. We're living in the most filthy, vulgar, largest pornography exporting nation in the world. We're killing babies at a rate unbelievable. We open homosexuality. We are doing things that are ungodly, unbiblical, unholy, and absolutely vile. And yet the church does nothing, and so many believers that call themselves believers simply sit back and listen to more podcasts instead of sharing and weeping and crying out to God that he would shake us up as a people. If it's not now, when will it be for you? If it's not tonight, when will it be for you to make a change and start seeking the Lord? God is calling us to revival He's calling us to blow the trumpet in Zion. He is calling us to get ready because the hour that's coming ahead will try us. But he promised to never leave nor forsake. You see, God is wanting us to make differences in people's lives. He's wanting us to seek him with all of his heart. You know, I, I just love this story. I can't get enough of it. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum some days, after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that were, there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word to them. Did you hear that? That was Jesus. He had a room full of people. He had them all gathered together. They couldn't even get in the door. They were packed out of there. And what did he do when he had their attention? He preached the word to them. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where, excuse me, uh, verse 3, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, and, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, 
They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I love this story. I can't get enough of it. Because when Jesus saw them, they, they didn't just pull the roof up easy. No, no. It says when they broke it up, they had broken up the roof because they were so desperate. Their friend was in a crisis. He didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. They did the only thing they knew to do, and that's to get him to Jesus. And they ripped the roof off of him because they must get their friend to Jesus. And when they let him down on the roof and before Jesus, the first thing Jesus does when he looks at him, he doesn't say, get up and walk. He doesn't say, jump out of the bed and leap. He doesn't say, watch me perform an amazing miracle. He says simply to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. So often, everybody only wants to see a miracle. And folks, I want to see miracles just like anybody else. But whether you're healed or not, from whatever ailment it is, it is never going to be as important as to have your sins forgiven. You see, if that man would have been healed and walked out of there and died and fell over right then, and, and without his sins being forgiven, what would the end of his life been? Well, you know what it had been. But if that man would have been, his sins been forgiven, and yet he died right at that moment without being healed, what would it have been? It would have been life eternal. Because your sins being forgiven is the most important thing you can ever have. And it's free. And God loves doing it. Verse 6, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. You know what they were doing. You've probably been a victim of it, some of you yourselves. You know what it is when they, 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 they're looking there at you. You know, look at that person judging you. You've, you're trying to come back. You've seen, you, you've seen the look on their faces before. You've seen what it's like, the way they, they treat people ungodly. You see what it's like when, when they don't do the right thing. And you're trying, you see them, people uh, be offended by someone uh, in church saying something just terrible. Folks, it's the absolute truth. If you want to get offended, go to church. It can happen. I'm not saying it should, but it probably will happen to you at some point. You will be judged by somebody else based on the way you look or what you've done or what it might be. But the truth is, I don't anybody else is saying to you, about you, with you. It doesn't matter. Don't ever go to hell for somebody else. Don't ever go to hell for somebody else. All of us are being faced so often with the Pharisees and the people that want to put us down or bind us up and say something. Oh, I love those people who love to pronounce their, their holiness before you and try to get you in a, uh, into bondage. Do you follow whatever they desire? But the truth is we follow God, and there will always be those Pharisees around. But don't ever, ever go to hell for somebody else. This is what they said. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? 
Whether is it easier to say unto the sick and the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick and the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Jesus was looking at him saying, yeah, what's easier for me to heal somebody or to say your sin's been forgiven? Yeah, of course it's easy to say your sin's been forgiven. But to show you that I have the power to do that, I'm going to show you that I'm going to cause this man to walk right here. And the Lord healed him to show power over anything. You're living in the last days. These are the times of peril. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound it on God's holy mountain because the day of the Lord is coming. It's close. It's at hand. And God wants us to be useful in the mission of saving the lost souls. God desires that we would be difference makers in this hour. You know, there's... Two men on different ships. One man was named Jonah. The other man, Jesus. Actually, he was more than a man. Jonah was on the ship because he was running from the Lord. Jesus was on the ship because he was in the will of the Lord. Both were sleeping when the storm came. Both men were faced with a crisis. A raging storm was beating against their boats. Both faced the exact same problem. Finally, in a moment of clarity, though, for Jonah, he knew that the only way that he could bring peace to that ship was to jump out in the midst of the raging waters to save people's lives. No matter how hard they rode, no matter what they did, there was nothing Jonah could do except jump out into the middle of the storm to bring peace and calm to those people. Jesus also in the storm came up out of the ship into the rain and the wind and the raging waves, and as he commanded the storm to be still, it listened. Just as when Jonah jumped into the water, the storm called, so also when Christ spoke to the storm, it calmed. Now the interesting thing is, both situations' re result was the same. Both Jesus and Jonah had to get into the storm to find the peace of God. Believers, God is not calling us to cower in fear in this hour, but to get out into the storm to find the lost, and in that storm you will find peace. But if not, then you can just simply stay in the bottom of the boat. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.